Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, good morning, Kalos Church. My name is Pradeepan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I love worshiping with you all. It's powerful. Can we give it up to Jesus one more time? He's so good. We want this to be a place of praise where we lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm just really excited about what God's doing here. I'm encouraged as we've gone to like three different venues in three different weeks to see the people of God gathering. People are still giving their lives to the Lord, worshiping together, being encouraged by the word. You can't stop the church, amen? You can't stop what God is doing in and through his people. And even last Sunday, we got together and prayed on a Sunday night. I just want to say, I'm so thankful for a church that's willing to lean in and press in and pray Pray for the conflict over in Europe and all that's going on. We're not big political or global strategists here, but we are people who can call on the name of Jesus and knowing that our deliverance and salvation comes from him. Amen. So thank you for praying with us. And also, I just want to extend an invitation. Tonight, if you're new to our community, you're feeling like, I don't know how to make friends. I don't know how to get connected. I'm church shopping. I don't know exactly what this church believes. Tonight, we are buying you dinner at Lunchbox Laboratory, burgers and shakes, even, dare I say, vegan milkshakes that taste good. I'm not a vegan. I'm not the son of a vegan. (laughs) But I order these mango vegan shakes, and they taste really good. So anyways, join us tonight for welcome dinner, and we'll give you more information on that. But I am excited to continue our series on the Beatitudes, a challenging Subject, this is probably Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plains. And we talked about what does it mean to be blessed in the kingdom of God. Last week in the first beatitude, we share, hey, blessed are those who are poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And this one is challenging, especially for me, because I love to laugh, I love humor, I love puns. And Jesus has a warning for people like me. Let's read about it in Matthew 5. It starts off with something I love. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then in the book of Luke, chapter 6, he turns it a little bit differently. And he says, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. I like that part. But then he says, woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. This is a challenging verse, especially when 80% of your personality and identity is based on puns. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall weep. And a reminder, we studied last week that blessed comes from the Greek word makarios, which is probably more accurately translated as lucky or happy. And so in the scripture, Jesus says, happy are you who weep. This seems a little bit paradoxical, doesn't it? Happy are those who weep. And then he creates this weird, vicious time warp cycle where he says, hey, woe to you who weep. 
for, or blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. And then he says, woe to you who laugh, for you will weep. But then those who weep shall laugh. But those who laugh are going to weep. But then who, those who weep, they're going to laugh. And then, someone please stop me. Then, those who laugh are going to weep. Then those who weep are going to laugh. And so it's just like create a cycle that we're caught in this vortex. It's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you saying it's happy to weep? And why are you saying it's bad to laugh? And I, I think Jesus is indicating here, godly laughter is all about proper timing. Like with any comedy, it's all about good timing. Why can't pastors tell good jokes? Because they don't have good timing. It's all about good timing. <laughs> Thank you for that. And so the context here is Jesus is talking to a group of people, crowds that are seeking him because they're poor, they're oppressed, they're sick. They're demon-possessed. In the scripture right before that, it says that the crowds were pressing in on Jesus, and they were trying to just touch him because they felt power leaving him, and then they would find healing. They would find deliverance. They would come to him demon-possessed, and they would be set free. And so these are not like the super popular, the super influential. These are not the super wealthy and good-looking. These are people on the outskirts of society. These are Jewish people primarily who had been invaded by a foreign military called the Romans. They were occupied. They weren't able to control their own land. And they're looking to Jesus for hope and freedom and health and safety, and deliverance, and they were not very influential. In fact, the Romans would often laugh at these kind of people, and so you might say that they were the laughing stock of society. And so Jesus looks at these people on the margins of society and says, blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you who, who mourn, in other ways, have, have lost something, have lamented something, for you shall be comforted. And I take great strength in this because he looks at people like us who are mourning and says, I'm going to give you comfort. But these people would have been considered the laughing stock of society. Have you ever been in a situation where someone laughs at you because of your misfortune? Have you ever saw someone have an epic fail and you laughed at their misfortune? Jesus has a warning and a blessing for us. It reminds me of this word called, in German, schadenfraude. Has anybody heard of this word? I am not German, nor the son of a German. But I took some German in high school. Anybody with me? Hello? Hello? Guten Tag? No, nine... Nine, nine, Freiland. <laughs> Anyways, I took, I took some German. You're the, you're the child of a German, Chanel. So shot, <laughs> shot and fraud. What, what does that mean? Shot and fraud is pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. It's when you take pleasure. It's when you laugh at other people's failures, epic fails. And I am guilty of this. I love laughing at people's misfortunes. Anybody with me? I just love, every time it snows in Seattle, I grew up in Minnesota. I have a little pride about driving in the snow in the winter. Any Midwesterners know what I'm talking about? We know how to drive. 
But in Seattle on these hills, every time it snows, I just like to grab a chair and watch cars slide down the hills, hitting every parked car. Oh, I'm a bad person. I am a sinner. <laughs> I love it. Anybody with me? Is this a safe place? You're a sinner too. You're a sinner too. For those of us who can't relate, you're just like, you're a bad person laughing at other people's pain and hardships. Well, I'm going to prove to you you're a sinner like me. Let's watch this video. (laughs) Charlie. Charlie bit me. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will weep. I heard you laughing at the misfortune of that little boy. (laughs) Charlie loved it too. I believe that laughter reveals our heart. What we laugh at, who we laugh at, people who are down and out, our political enemies when they fail, when people we don't like when they stumble, when we laugh at the misfortunes and at others, mocking scorning. I think it reveals a lot about our heart. I'm reminded of the scripture in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis about a couple named Abraham and Sarah. They had been given a promise that they would have a child and they would have many descendants and that they would found a nation. God said that you would have so many descendants, but as they grew older and older, they just weren't having their child. And God says, you will have a child. And I want you to see how Abraham who is later on called Father Abraham. Remember, he, he had many sons. You are one of them? So am I. Thank you. Uh, he wasn't exactly a man of faith when you hear this in Genesis 17, 17. It says, when hearing the promise and the prophecy of God, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Well, Sarah bear a child at the age of 90. So he's skeptical. He's faced hardships. He's like, God, how could you do this? To the point where he is laughing at God who is speaking audibly to him. And my guess is his heart was filled with pain, doubt, hurt. And his wife isn't much different. In Genesis 18, it says, So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord was like, brah, no, you did, you did laugh, laugh, bro. So, you know, they were so discouraged 
so hopeless. God, how could you do this? And their heart response was to laugh at God. I think many of us are in that place. When we're dealing with the insecurities of the world and our family and our finances and our health, when we're thinking about the dreams that we had in our youth, the joy of our salvations, and when we've gone year after year, long suffering for a promise, it's like when someone says something about faith or hope or a dream, you kind of have to scoff at them because you got to protect yourself from your own hurt. I believe a lot of us laugh to hide from pain. I believe a lot of us scoff even at God and people who are walking in faith because of the bitterness of hope deferred in our own hearts. I think a lot of us who use sarcasm and jabs at the people we love and the people around us are filled with hurt. Do you use humor to hide your pain? Do you use sarcasm to hide your pain? Do you have little jabs and little comments and little quips because you are so insecure in the promises and the realities of God in your own life? You know, I, I remember when I was uh, growing up, I grew up in a family that was very uncomfortable with encouraging one another. Anybody grow up in a family like mine? You just don't really say kind things to one another. It's, it's awkward. It's weird. And so we would bond by making fun of each other. Hey, you look ugly today. Oh, thank you, family. Let's, hu let's hug. You know? Hey, you look, or if it's a compliment, you got to protect your heart because it's too vulnerable to compliment. So you, you turn it into a backwards compliment. Hey, you look pretty today. Today? Hey, I love that outfit. Only you could pull that off. <laughs> just backwards compliments. It was a way of distancing ourselves from the emotion of vulnerably complimenting one another. This created a habit in my life where I, I didn't learn how to compliment and I would just jab. And this really manifested in such a painful way when I was in high school. I was at the height of my depression. I had wanted to end my life. I attempted to end my life two times. And I made these friends in high school. And my way of bonding with them was just making fun of them, bullying them picking on them. They couldn't get away with any word, any slip up, any bad outfit, any mistake. I was on them every day. And I would say, oh, I'm just kidding, bro. It's just a joke, bro. But I would do this day in and day out. And then I became a Christian and I made new friends. I had Christian friends. I was starting a new leaf. I was inviting people to church, having Bible studies. I was this man of God now. And these two guys who were my friends, they came up to me and they were crying. They said, Pradeepin, we see that you are leading Bible studies and you're this holy man and you like think you're a prophet or something. But I want you to know that every day you were with us, you would say such mean and belittling things to us. And you were laughing and laughing. Well, your words worked and we, we had been planning on ending our lives together because of the words you said over us and how you rallied so many people in the school to laugh at us. And in that moment, all my laughing turned to mourning. That laughing turned to grief and sorrow because I, I, I realized that my words were making an impact on people. And I understand why God was like, woe to you who laugh because you're setting yourself up for reckoning with God when your laugh is positioned in a place of pride and belittling and hurting other people. And I think many of us laugh because we're not in touch with our emotional mourning, our grief and our lament. So we lash out at people instead of dealing with our own sadness. And I think many of us are guilty with sarcasm in the same regard. Let me read this 
understanding of sarcasm. Sarcasm derives from Greek words that mean tearing of the flesh. Sarcasm is hostility disguised as humor. That's why when someone says something sarcastic to you, you don't feel good. Sarcasm is unsettling. If you challenge it, the person can say, what? I was just kidding. But it doesn't feel like kidding. It feels like veiled criticism because that's exactly what it is, regardless of its superficial deniability. I believe that sarcasm is the counterfeit to authentic mourning. I think sarcasm and jabs are what we do because we're so insecure in ourselves. I believe sarcasm can be used as a mask to distance ourselves from the pain of others and arrogance and setting ourselves up as intellectual superiors, superiority complexes. I believe that sarcasm is something we use to prove to others that we are strong, we are capable, but we're really dying on the inside. And we don't realize the harm and the toll it's taking on the people around us. And let's be honest, we as a culture don't know how to grieve and mourn and lament, so we lash out at people, and we celebrate this as a culture. Look at the leaders that we love. It's people who can come up with quips to make fun of other leaders. And this is happening in the church, this is happening in politics, this is happening in business, but this is not how the people of God ought to operate. This is not okay. And Jesus issues a warning to cultures like us. Woe to you who laugh, for you will weep. You know, when I I see certain sermons of people picking on other churches and other pastors because their theology is just a little bit different or their technique is a little bit different and their whole platform is built on tearing down other preachers and pastors, people who are struggling during a pandemic to reach one of the most unchurched generations in American history and we're spending the time in church like establishing influence by belittling others. That's not fitting for the people of God. How will people know we're disciples? By our love for one another. But I think when people think of Christians, they think of our hate for one another. And we wonder why we're in the most unchurched region in America. We wonder why people aren't going to church. Because we're defining ourselves by what we're against and not by what we are for. But we at Kalos just want to boldly say we are defined by who we are for, and that is Jesus Christ. And our whole mission here is to make known the beauty of Jesus, not belittle and tear down other influencers. Amen? We're all about Jesus. And politicians, I mean, we love to make memes and make Facebook comments and jabs at people from the other political party when they mess up, when they have a vocal gaffe, when they have something we disagree with. We jab and we poke and we bully and we say we're doing this in the name of righteous anger. But I say, woe to you who laugh now, for you will weep. In, Psalms 20, or in Proverbs 24, it's said like this, don't laugh when your enemy falls. Don't glow over his collapse. God might see and become very provoked and then take pity on his plight. Are you someone who laughs at the collapse of your enemies, politically, business? When you get in a fight with your, your friend or your coworker or your spouse, do you gloat when their argument collapses? Do you gloat when they, they say the wrong word? 
And you can say, gotcha, you messed up. Well, there's a warning here. We need to be careful at what we laugh at because it indicates our character. Unhappy people laugh at the misfortunes of others. God opposes the proud. Let me read James 4. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I think this is a posture we need to take. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be your let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. I don't think God is against all laughter, because he promises us, you shall laugh. But I think the kind of laughter we have should not be at the expense of others. It should be because of the joy the Lord has placed in us. And uh, I think this reality is much of our humor and our jabs and our scoffing is based in pride and arrogance because we're not in touch with our own emotional unhealth. But the scripture says God opposes the proud. Anybody here want to be opposed by God? But when I see our comments, I think many of us have prideful hearts. But God, here's the good news. God draws near to the brokenhearted. God comes close to the humble. Those who are saying, Lord, I don't trust in my own wisdom. I don't trust in my own strength. I'm not praying prayers like, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not like them, but I, here I am. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. I am a sinner. I need you. I am desperate for you. You know, our, our daughter, Nala, she uh, does not like to stay in her room during bedtime. Any parents know what I'm talking about? She wants to get out there. Every time we have friends over, we try to put her in bed at 7 o'clock. When we have friends over, she hears us talking, and she has one of two responses. Sometimes she yells and screams and tries to hit us, and she goes, Mama, Dad, Dad, I want to talk to friends. No, we're going to talk to the friends. You go to sleep. And she'll slap me in the face. She'll scream louder. She'll get defiant and adamant and get fierce. I want to talk to friends. She'll throw things. She'll climb out of her own crib and hit the door, things like that. I want to talk to friends. And what do we do? We get stronger. We get defensive. We'll say, Noah, do you want one spanking or two spankings? <laughs> it's your choice. We believe in choice in this home. <laughs> and other days, she takes a totally different stance. She realizes her pride is getting us to oppose her. So she'll just in the most pathetic, weak voice go, And you know what happens? Oh, she, she talks to friends. <laughs> and she's realized this for the last two months. It's gotten so bad. Like, we had her sleep trained, but her pathetic, 
whimpers have opened up her heart. And so she's been sleeping in our bed for the last two months, which is not the Lord's will. <laughs> but she has worked her way in there. And so where we opposed her in strength, we drew near in her weakness. I think many of us, we try to establish a strong front. Some of our, our humor hides our insecurity. We try to faith it till we make it. We try to look okay. But God, he, he, he's okay with your mourning. He's okay with your grief. In fact, God draws close to the humble, the ones who don't believe they're strong enough, don't believe they're wise enough, Good and he he wants to encourage you and be there. And that's why Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted by God Himself. Because we're we're headed into a time where God will wipe away every single tear, where mourning will be wiped away. And in this time, in all of eternity, it's unique because we get to bond with God in death, in weakness, and in pain. We won't have that in eternity because it will be total victory. But right now, we get a special blessing of being in the trenches with God. How many of you know that people connect with strengths, but they're, or people are inspired by strengths and their success, but they connect with weaknesses? Have you ever had any friends where you're like going through the same struggle and you look at one another and you're like, you're going through that too? Instant bond, instant connection. And it's like in this blessed time of mourning, we get to experience the comfort of God. You know, Jesus, before he left his earthly ministry, he said, hey, do not let your hearts be troubled because I am sending you an advocate. Another way he says that is, I am sending you the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. He'll be your comforter. So this, this noun for blessed are those who mourn, if you turn that into a noun, it's the same Greek root word. It's the word paraclete, which is what Jesus uses to call the Holy Spirit our comforter, our helper, our advocate. He says when you're humble, you're brokenhearted, when you're mourning over the sin of the world, when you're mourning over all of the evil and the wrong, when you're mourning over your ability to have a family or not have a family, when you're mourning over your lack of finances, when you're mourning because you don't know how to pay the bills because your rent has gone up in this time of inflation, when you're mourning over like not feeling like you are where you should be right now at this age, or you're mourning over the sad reality of your, your just like childhood family or whatever, the wars in the world, when you're mourning, Jesus is saying, let your hearts not be troubled because I am sending you the Holy Spirit who will be your comforter. What a blessing to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, if you're going through a hard time, I know what it's like, but there's a special bond when it's just between you and the Lord and you get on your knees and you're like, Holy Spirit, and I need you. And his presence shows up. And he says, I'm, I'm with you. When in humility of heart, you just say, Holy Spirit, I'm not strong enough right now but would you come? And he gives you a peace that surpasses understanding. My prayer is that you would know the fellowship of the Spirit. The fellowship of God who draws near to the broken hearted. Because I, 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 I've noticed this. When I've hit rock bottom in my life, I discovered that God was the rock at the bottom. Amen. Amen. 
And he shows up in a way that is so beautiful. I remember there is a, a church that we visited when we were church planting. We hadn't had services yet. This is about 2017. And I, I talked to this pastor. I wanted to check out their services there in Bellevue. And he asked me, do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit? And I said, I absolutely do. And he said, well, then your church will never last because the Holy Spirit's not moving today. And I just was grieved because I need the Holy Spirit. Anybody with me? Oh, yeah. I need him every single day. And I'm, I'm not gloating at this, but I, I do want to say this with reverence and fear and trembling. When you deny the Holy Spirit, you're setting yourself up for a world of trouble. That church died, and we're still here. We need the Holy Spirit to sustain us. We need the Holy Spirit to hold us together. And I, I just want to introduce this reality. If you're, you're dealing through pain and trouble, don't lash out. Don't hide behind your humor. Trust God because God will get the last laugh. God has the final word in our problem. Sometimes they look huge, our problems, our discouragement, but God will get the final laugh. In Genesis 21, revisiting our story about Abraham and Sarah after they laughed at God, it says the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the right time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. What a turnaround. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. God got the final laugh where Abraham fell on his face laughing at God, where Sarah laughed in her heart at God. God got the final laugh, and they named their son Isaac, which in Hebrew means he laughs. Isaac, literally the foundation the firstborn of this whole promise to have descendants as Father Abraham founded the Jewish faith and Israel was born and out of Israel came the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. It all began with God fulfilling his promise and a child was born, a child that's named He Laughs. And I know you're struggling. I know the world is in chaos, but God will get the final laugh. I know you're dealing with depression. I know many of us don't know why we're even alive. I know we don't know how this marriage or this relationship is going to work. I know we don't know what financial decisions, but I tell you what, in light of eternity, God gets the final laugh, and he who laughs last laughs best. You know, I, I've shared a lot about our journey with both our kids getting diagnosed with special needs and the reality and the shock, and I, about two years ago, had this mental breakdown when we saw that our daughter was diagnosed as well. Like, will we have this relationship at all? And, and with our son, you know, the relationship isn't what I, I dreamed of. I've had to reimagine and reorient myself to what God has for us. 
But I know in light of eternity, I will spend more time in perfect communication with my son than without. God will get the final laugh. He will turn mourning into dancing. He will turn weeping into laughter. And with our, our daughter, we thought, will we ever be able to talk to her? Will we be better able to have eye contact with her? I want to let you know, over the last two years, she's been growing in language. She's making jokes. She's writing songs. She's negotiating with us about her nighttime routine. She has imagination. She's playing games. She's inventing different ways of connecting with us. She's growing by leaps and bounds. People are asking us if she's advanced for her age. And I'm just letting you know, in that time of a mental breakdown, wondering what the Lord would do, he has brought gladness and joy into our relationship with children. And we're thankful for them, knowing that God has the final word. God has the final laugh. And he will work things out for good. He's doing it. He's doing it. And I believe God can do it for you. So many times throughout the scripture, people, they, they thought they had it over Jesus. I remember this story in, in Luke 8. They called Jesus, hey, our little girl is dead. Would you raise her up? Would you heal her? Would you help her? And, and Jesus says, she's not, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. You know what they did to her, to him? They, said, they laughed at Jesus. But guess what? He raised her up from the dead. Jesus got the final laugh. Jesus was on the cross, the devil laughing, mocking, thinking they won, thinking the powers of evil were waning over Jesus. The Roman soldiers, they're mocking Jesus. They're casting lots and gambling for his clothing. They're mocking him. Oh, the king of Jews, why don't you save yourself? But guess what? Three days later, after dying on the cross, Jesus rises victoriously. God gets the final laugh. This is the kind of God we serve. He turns weeping into laughing. Blessed are those who have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in mourning, for they shall receive the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit that raised God from the dead dwells with us as a foretaste of the future comfort. And I, I realize there's some dissonance. Well, I, I've prayed for things and it didn't happen. People have died. And this is the reality of the Beatitudes. The first Beatitude says, blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of God is theirs. It's, it's now, it's here. But then the second Beatitude is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I, I'm telling you, like with our daughter and all, there's a comfort right now. But with our, our son, there's a comfort that's coming. And there's a tension between living right now and living in eternity. We get foretastes and samples of the goodness to come. But more than getting the result we want, we receive the Holy Spirit. And he's with us. He's with you in your mourning. You can trust him with your tears. You can trust him with your pain. And I know some of us have a hard time stepping into faith, believing that God has something for us. We're laughing like Abraham and Sarah. But I just want to deposit some faith in you. Would you let God have the last laugh in your life? Would you believe that God has good things for you? Would you believe that he can work it out for you? Either right now with a peace that surpasses understanding or a peace in eternity. Either way, he wins. If you need that kind of faith, would you just lift up your hand boldly? 
You're having a hard time believing that God has something good for you. You're laughing, you're mocking, you have skepticism. Man, would you humble yourself and receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Amen. And for those of us here, maybe you've been laughing at your enemies. You've been mocking others. Would you just repent of that and say, I want to I enter into the, a ministry that says, I will comfort others with the comfort I've received. Would you just repent and say, Holy Spirit, I, I'm sorry. I want to be someone that's known for love and kindness. Yeah, I can correct, maybe privately. Yeah, I can correct, but in love, truth and love, not with a mean, haughty, scoffing, scornful spirit. Because this is the kind of God we serve. He comforts the afflicted, and he afflicts the comfortable. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this word, and I pray that you give us faith to step into your promises, to believe that you have the last laugh in our life. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be people who can stand up against injustice, but to do it with a loving and kind heart. People who can stand for righteousness without mocking and gloating over others who fail. Lord, help us to operate in love. And people know our love for one another. That's how we're disciples, our love. Lord, and for those of us who have a hard time believing, stepping in, we're laughing at the promises. We're laughing at comfort now or future comfort. Lord, we trust that you will have the final laugh when we hand over our hearts, whether they be hard or distant from you. Lord, I pray that you soften them and draw close to you in humility. We pray in the name of Jesus. Well, Kalos Church, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.